Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we'll be diving into episode six of Sanditon. <sighs> a big pivotal episode. <laughs> Crazy episode. So much to talk about. I know, but that's why we brought in special guests that we're so excited to have. The women from Reclaiming Jane podcast, Lauren Weathers and Emily Davis-Hale. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Oh, we're so excited to have you. You guys, this podcast hasn't been out that long, but I've definitely listened to the whole thing so far. <laughs> and I really love your perspective on thank Jane you. Austen. So we, I'd love it if you guys would just, you know, tell our audience a little bit about your podcast. Emily, do you want to go? So, yeah, sure. So our podcast is Reclaiming Jane, as you said, which is a an Austin podcast for fans on the margins. So we're trying to reach out to people who don't feel represented in the visible, the public-facing Austin fandom right now, whether they're existing fans or if they just didn't feel like they could be into Austin. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love it. <laughs> well, what? Uh, let me ask you also, what's your first experience with Jane Austen? How did you get interested in Jane Austen to begin with? I think I read Pride and Prejudice in high school. I think that was my first experience with Jane Austen because I definitely, I was much more of a stickler for this in high school. Um, I was definitely a read the book before you watch the movie type of person. So the movie wasn't my introduction. I think I checked out the library book and read it and fell in love with Pride and Prejudice first and bought multiple copies of it and then watched the movie. And then um, I took a course on Austin in college. And that was like my real introduction into her whole library, I suppose, because before I think I maybe had read Emma and had seen Clueless. I hadn't really <laughs> been familiar with other things. <laughs> <laughs> and so did that class just really make you interest, more interested or were you already kind of like, oh, I'm a Jane Austen fan? <laughs> I, was, I was already interested. I had studied abroad the summer before and like went to the Jane Austen Center in Bath and was a super nerd about the whole thing. Oh, it was so cool. And then I gained a better appreciation for it when I took the class, but I was already like a, a casual fan before, but I just was more familiar with her after I took the class. Yeah, well, that's awesome. What about you, Emily? So I had almost the same introduction. I read Pride and Prejudice in early high school and then had to read it again later for my English class. But yeah, read, read Pride and Prejudice, got super obsessed with the 2005 movie and basically just kind of stagnated there for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> but still considered myself an Austin fan, even though Pride and Prejudice was really all I had. <laughs> I think you could consider yourself an Austin fan, even if you just like one adaptation of Austin. I mean, you know, yeah. there's no like rule. Why not? When you can consider yourself a fan. <laughs> mm -hmm. right. No gatekeeping. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, well, let me also ask you, do you guys have any David Lynch experience? Like, do you, have you watched any David Lynch? Sadly, no. My <laughs> ah, like my spouse and I watched all of Twin Peaks a couple years oh, ago. Nice. And <laughs> love it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we like to see who crosses over, you know, <laughs> between the fandoms. Well, we're, gosh, we're so excited to have you. You guys are covering Sense and Sensibility right now, which is very exciting. We were considering doing that next for the podcast, but it seems like there's several podcasts covering Sense and Sensibility right now. So we're like, <laughs> maybe we should just pick a different book for the time being. But I was listening to you guys 
actually, I was listening to the First Impressions podcast this morning because you were guests on that. And you guys were talking about Lucy Steele. And I want to have like a whole Jane Austen roundtable discussion because <laughs> it's like the one character from Jane Austen I cannot like no matter how many times I try to give her the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. I'm like, I just don't like this character. <laughs> So that would be a fun someday. She makes it difficult. She doesn't make it easy to like her. Yeah. I think I just have problems with the real manipulative characters. Like I really have problems with Clara, even though I'm like, I understand where you're coming from, girl, but I don't like you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I'm so excited to talk about this episode. So Christian, or yeah, why don't we do our first impressions of the episode? You want to start Christian? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I think we had started texting about it a little bit earlier about how excited we were about this episode, just because it was so many pivotal moments, so many arcs being had. And I will say that it was very hard to keep up my Sydney hate in this episode, (laughs) mostly because he had some sort of, I guess you could say, redeeming qualities about him. But for some reason, I don't know if it was just the way they made him look this episode, but it was, he seemed more attractive. And maybe it was just because he wasn't as shitty this episode. (laughs) But I really enjoyed this episode a lot. It was very (laughs) tense for a Jane Austen episode, like a Jane Austen story. And I kind of enjoyed that a lot. It was a little (laughs) carriage chase in the the streets, whatever. It was really good. I know, an action scene. I know, and kind of got to see like the underbelly of London and it was really interesting. <laughs> well, what about L- Lauren? Do you remember the first time you watched this episode? Or I don't know if you just recently watched it. I do, it I just it recently out, but... watched it. So I remember it quite vividly. Uh, I liked this episode more than the other ones. I think Sydney also kind of redeemed himself because I was all aboard the Sydney hate train. I still don't know that I totally ship Sydney. I don't. I don't know that I'm on the Charlotte (laughs) Sydney train. I don't think I'm convinced, but he at least, he had a little bit of redemption in this episode, which I appreciated because the show was really trying to make me hate Sydney and that was not the goal. (laughs) So I was glad that (laughs) he got a little bit of redemption and that we got a new change of scenery with the removal to London. Because it was nice to kind of take us out of Sanditon for a little bit. So I think that was a revitalization the show needed as it moves into the last couple episodes. Yeah, definitely agree. What about you, Emily? So I watched the entire series in the last week and watched watched season or not season episode six last night. Um, So yeah, also fresh in my mind. I, I've been texting Lauren about this the entire time. There's exactly one character whose stakes I care about and it's the foreman stringer. (laughs) So I I spent this whole episode just very frustrated because I feel like the show's trying to redeem Sydney. Like they're trying so hard, but I just, I just don't believe it because we've had so many interactions, especially between him and Charlotte in the past where like, he seems okay. And then he turns on a dime and starts yelling at her. So yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't trust that he's actually, you know, changing for the better, but I, I do, I can still appreciate the lengths that he went to, you know, in the carriage chase to, to save Georgiana. Um, But that's, that's the only thing. (laughs) Thank you for not being total trash in this episode. Also, you do not have to yell at your love interest and be awful to her all the time. Right. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad to hear you guys say that because that was what we've been saying for weeks. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say my first impression for this episode was I was very glad that Sydney seemed to have some self-reflection and make some personal changes for himself. I'm not going to say he's great because there were some things at the very last second of the episode that I was like, well, don't go and ruin it for me, Sydney. <laughs> but I will say that so many more hot. It felt so much like everyone felt hotter in this episode. Like Sydney <laughs> seemed so much more attractive. The smoldering dance was like, oh, okay, let me fan myself. And even like Edward and Clara's thing, I was like, I've never felt Edward as attractive as I do when he's so menacing right now. <laughs> so <laughs> I had all sorts of weird feelings in this episode. <laughs> I definitely got like 2005 Pride and Prejudice ballroom scene vibes from that dance scene. It's like they definitely were like, we know you guys have all seen this movie. So let us just remind you of the tension that the scene creates and just recreate it here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was remembering back to my middle school days and being like, now when you have the slow dance with the one person, you got to pick really carefully who you're going to have for that dance. And I was like, <laughs> Sydney definitely picked Charlotte because he was like, here's the couple dance. <laughs> this is my moment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Well, uh, yeah, we'll get into everything a lot more specifically as we go through the recap. But for right now, let's move on to notes. Yes. All right, so for this episode, episode six, we had some new characters show up. We had Clinton Blake as Sam Sidaway, who was like the bar owner, barkeeper that we first meet in London. I liked him. (laughs) Yes, he was great. Um, We had Jetta James as Otis Molyneux again. He finally came back. We had back. Jack Brady as Mr. Howard, the most evil person in the world. Oh, yeah. Oh, my yeah, gosh. The one I who... was trying to do my impression of him when he was on. And I was like, I'm... I can't do it right now. But... No. <laughs> He's one of those sluggish looking men. Very so Java. <laughs> and then we have, let's see, Sophie Winkleman as Lady Susan at, towards the end. And Ruth Kearney as Eliza Campion. So those are kind of like our newer characters that we Ooh. just got introduced to and some returning. This episode was directed by Lisa Clark, who I think directed the last two that we covered. We always celebrate <laughs> so women like, directors. <laughs> yes. So it looks like we're getting like spurts of three directors, like three episodes per director. So I wonder who we're going to get next. Um, we only have two episodes left. Yeah, well, they might <laughs> preserve them for Andrew Davies. Who knows? Um, and we had no. Oh. I think he's just a writer. I'm not sure though. Well, he didn't write this episode. It was written by Justin Young, and the story editor was Harriet Creelman. So we had some <laughs> some good people on there. It originally aired in the UK on September 29th of 2019, and gosh, that's kind of like about it there wasn't really much because it was so densely packed in the story and we didn't really have I mean our filming locations we didn't really have anything specific because it was just kind of like a general London vibe I think it was mostly sound stages from yeah it it was like like. a lot of CGI and (laughs) yeah (laughs) how they do the um Sanditon like the the streets is actually just like the back of the state yeah it's like a back lot or something (laughs) yeah yeah so not a lot of notes wise to go on just because we had so much story and oh yeah a lot well, we've of got plenty like to talk about set. in the recap <laughs> oh yeah lots to say <laughs> all right well let's go ahead and get into it then yes 
So we start off and we see Charlotte asleep in a carriage arriving in London. And no one wants to help her. She's just asking everyone, where's Honey Street? <laughs> they just are <laughs> ignoring her. But using Otis's address to guide her, oh, I said she asked every scary person on the street how to get to Honey Lane. Um, only pick the scary people. <laughs> exactly. There's that one guy who's like, this is that her or something. <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> we know like, oh, London God. is scary. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I did appreciate being able to see like, oh, this little group of musicians and these people over here playing chess or something. And like, there's just, you know, all the different people of the London streets. Yeah, it didn't I seem think... that scary. No, I was going to say, I think we got kind of like a different view of London in this adaptation than we usually do from other Jane Austen, just because we're always focusing on all the rich people usually. So it's always like high society and, yeah. you know, proper you know, houses and everything. And we kind of just got <laughs> the real like underbelly of it. Yeah, definitely. Go to the shipyards and everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Charlotte ends up at a tavern and the proprietor, that's where Otis's address is. And the proprietor comes out and he's not that interested in helping Charlotte, but he's also funny and nice to her in his own way. He keeps calling her the Duchess, which is really funny. Really and funny. he's like, oh no, Otis doesn't live here and kind of sends her on her way. But as she's leaving, a bad man grabs her and there's a knife that is flashed. And then Charlotte's thrown to the ground and someone comes to her rescue. And when she rises, she sees that it's Sydney. <laughs> Gross. It's so coincidental. <laughs> Seriously. He just happens to get there when she gets there. <laughs> and just knew that it was her. Because he can't see her. He's blocked. He can tell that it's someone. Like, uh, someone's obviously in distress. He doesn't know it's her. Mm-hmm. Well, like, there's like a- I hear a woman in distress. <laughs> that was one of those things that, that pulled me out of it. Like, because yeah. it's just, it's so perfectly coincidental that he's right there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and this really? one alley in London. Really? <laughs> right. And out of all of the city. Uh-huh. And then like <laughs> just, afterwards, mm. he realizes it's her and he's just like, oh, it's you. Like let down that he can <laughs> save course, this like, right? <laughs> you know, possible like love at- interest or something. Just think if he had taken her from the beginning, they could have gone straight there and probably gotten there like several hours ago and probably would have found Georgiana without having to have a carriage chase, but maybe it wouldn't have been as fun for us. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. So Sydney immediately talks about how the situation is already bad enough and now he has to deal with her. (laughs) And Charlotte admits that she snuck away without permission. And that's the first time I see Sydney be like, oh, I like this about you. I'm like, that's a new thing for you to value in a person. <laughs> Especially <laughs> no signs of that before. Screamed out and said that is worthless like five times, but cool. But I do feel like this is where he's like, hmm, maybe I've misjudged this girl. He has that moment like three times. I'm waiting for it to stick. He's like, maybe I've misjudged you. And I'm going to scream at you again in like another 20 minutes. And then he has another moment later. It's like, oh, maybe I've misjudged you. Like, okay, have you misjudged her or not? Can you please make up your mind? Because you keep you flip from hot to cold and spend nuts. Yeah. Flip flop. Yeah. The <laughs> third time's the charm, I guess. <laughs> it's not until he finds himself embarrassed by his own actions that he actually changes. But <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> Most men from this time period. Uh, I know. He just drives me 
so crazy with his privilege and his just not caring about anyone. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sydney is convinced that Otis and Georgiana snuck away together. And he says that Tom is at the London house and that she will stay with him. And she refuses. She wants to put things right. And he doesn't really give in to her right away. And it's like, I'm going to, you know, he sends her on. But in the coach, Charlotte starts telling Sydney what's what. And I just love Charlotte in this episode. <laughs> I feel like yes. she's really telling Sydney exactly what's the truth of him. And I love it. <laughs> okay. So he actually says, because she accuses him of being prejudiced. And he says that he despises slavery and renounced his business in the sugar trade because of it. Charlotte still thinks that he's prejudiced. And he says that, know that it's because he assumes that Otis is after Georgiana's money. And then Charlotte realizes, oh, we should go see the Sons of Africa. Maybe he's there. <laughs> I wonder if Charlotte hadn't been there, if anyone would have really tried that hard to find Georgiana because it feels like she's the only one keeping the search going. <laughs> Well, it's like she's the only one who's bothered to get to know her <laughs> and her on her personal level. So literally without her, they would have never found Georgiana. I know. Yeah, but it's like if Sydney had ever had a conversation with Otis, he might know something. I mean, Charlotte had like one conversation with him and she found out all this information about his life. So you have to wonder what Sydney was going off of when he went to London in the first place. It's like if you didn't know any of this information, then were you just going to go to London and just walk around? Like, what were you going to do if you hadn't seen Charlotte? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, I don't, they didn't even have any idea that, like, she would even be in London. Like, it was just going on the hunch that, like, oh, Otis must have kidnapped her. Yeah, right. it's kind of weird because I would think Sydney would have some experience of Otis in London because, obviously, he pulled Georgiana away from her, or away the first time. So, I mean, I guess maybe he did some, like, background looking into Otis, and that's how he found out about his debts. But I don't know why he would even show up at this tavern, because it's not where he lives. So, anyway, I just thought it was a little Maybe he found <laughs> Georgiana's letters or something and was just going to use that as a starting point. That's but he, you know... It's like if he had invested maybe just a little bit more time, all this could have been avoided because he could have just, you know, they didn't have to go back to London to run away where she would have gotten kidnapped. He could have just stayed with her in Sanditon. But, you know, <laughs> it's like the thread through all of Jane Austen's things is if they had just spent like five more minutes talking to each other, <laughs> this <laughs> entire story could have been avoided. Oh, gosh. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. And then I also had... Like, the, I think this was supposed to be them trying to set up his, like, the beginning of his, like, redemption of him, like, denouncing slavery. But didn't he make his money in the sugar trade and he still has all that money? So <laughs> I don't <laughs> think he, you know, he can say he doesn't like it all he li all he wants, but that's the reason why he's rich. So I know. I was thinking that same thing. I was like, you know, it would really help if sometime in a previous episode we had seen Sydney doing something charitable that nobody else knew about like right. you know Giving maybe his using back. his own money for something you know good in the world i think it would have helped a lot for us to feel like oh well there is a goodness underneath this prickly exterior but <laughs> you know it's all uh, to me it's all at this point surface level so i wish they would have 
gotten a little deeper into that too because I really liked in the previous episode where Otis was telling Charlotte like well the evidence of the slave trade is all around you like even if it's not legal quote unquote in England anymore like you still have sugar in your tea you still have cotton in your dress and I was like oh this is excellent like I don't see this kind of analysis from period dramas all the time and then when she addressed it with Sydney I was hoping that Charlotte would bring some of that same conversation like okay so you don't do that anymore but you still have all of that money so what does that mean for your disdain for it but it didn't go there that might have been asking too much yeah (laughs) well she does have a conversation with him about like how he just doesn't take any responsibility which is like my main concern with him so i do appreciate it because she's like well you might have given up your thing but you're still racist and (laughs) you still have racist money so what are you gonna do with it yeah but uh, he does. Well, we'll see. We'll get to it. Okay. So they go to where Otis is giving a speech and Sydney bursts in and interrupts and they talk <laughs> away to the side. Um, this is where I wrote, it's a good thing Charlotte is there to make the men behave rationally because she's the one who calms them down so that they can figure out what actually happened. Otherwise, it maybe would have just come to blows and nobody would have figured it out. Time after time, it's like Charlotte is the one responsible for this rescue (laughs) actually (laughs) succeeding. Exactly. Okay, so there's somebody, Otis figures out there's someone who he owes money to who may have intercepted his post, Mr. Beecroft, which is such a funny name to say, Beecroft. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the most British names I could think of. Uh, Mr. Parker goes to the infamous Mr. Beecroft with Otis. And I don't know why I call him Mr. Parker instead of sitting right there. (laughs) (laughs) Very formal. I know. (laughs) Croft is trying to make Otis look guilty. And Otis is trying to defend himself. And Sydney just wants to know where Georgiana is. But someone has bought her. (sighs) I didn't understand at first i i my mind immediately went to bought her like put her back into the slave trade i didn't understand at first that they had purchased her for marriage and it took me a couple minutes to realize oh that's not where this episode is going because i thought we'd gotten real dark real quickly like she was sold they did what yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> they didn't do a good job of explaining it at first it was very no. <laughs> i was like oh okay yeah. we're going there I really hope they don't try to turn that into like a, a, a marriage is slavery thing because that's mm, that's that's a deeper conversation there. Right. I don't think they really the go same. there. <laughs> yeah. That's more of a Mansfield Park conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so okay, yeah. So now they have to go stop them before they can get married, because I guess they're going to like Scotland. And and I wonder like is it still fine to, if the woman is like, no, I don't want to marry this person. Does it still count as a marriage? <laughs> I mean, there must be some just real nefarious priests in Scotland or something who are like, sure, we'll let you. Yeah, I didn't understand. I didn't understand that point. Like they could just leave the country and they can just, I guess, get married anywhere else without any question. It seems really weird because I feel like all those countries kind of operate similarly. So it would well, feel I weird. Well, I think the, not to like, be the pedant here but i mm-hmm. <laughs> i think specifically people would elope to gretna green which is like right across the scottish border and scotland i think did not require the posting of bans 
where in England you would have to like make it known for a certain number of weeks in advance, like, hey, we're planning on getting married on this day. If you have objections, like this is the time. But Scotland didn't require that. And so people would just go to like the nearest border town and be like, hey, marry us immediately. And apparently these Scottish priests were like, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I know weird. that that's what Lydia and Wickham were, or exactly. you know, everyone assumed they were going to do. Uh, but I was like, well, if Georgiana goes and is like, no, I say, no, I don't accept this hand in marriage. Are they still going to be like, too bad. You're a woman. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I don't know how that worked. <laughs> it's questionable. Did I say that? Okay. So Otis says, oh yes. Okay. So Sydney and Otis have a little confrontation. Otis is like, this wouldn't have happened if you had allowed us to get married. And Sydney slams him against a wall and yells in his face. It's very unnecessary. Um, Cause he just can't take criticism. Anytime anyone criticizes him, he freaks out and blows up. <laughs> and uh, Charlotte basically stops him from going further. And he orders Otis out of his sight but Charlotte refuses to give up and she knows that there's still a chance that they're in London. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Thank God for Charlotte. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that was like, uh, this is the Sydney I know wearing his ugly head where he's just like, Same. oh, you dare to criticize my part in this, even though it's pretty much all my fault, but. <laughs> yes, <laughs> back to basics. Yeah. So then they go to some boarding house, quote unquote, or no, 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 they, they're not going. We're just going to see a large man sizing up Georgiana and commenting on her youthful exotic charm. And she calls him a disgusting pig, <laughs> which I think we all agree with. Yes. Scream to the TV. He talks about breaking horses, which is just, bleh. and Georgiana says that Otis is going to kill him. And he says, Otis offered her up to pay his debts and she's his now. Oh, man. I think Georgiana is taking it all very well. Also, I can't see Otis killing anyone. No. No. (laughs) Otis does not seem like that kind of soul. I feel like if I was Georgiana, I would just be a puddle of tears at this point. And so, like, you're doing a really good job keeping your cool, Georgiana. Seriously. Well, I think like just all that she's been through, I think at this point she has no choice but to have a hearty exterior to hopefully get herself out of it. Yeah. I can imagine her brain was like working, like, how am I going to get out of this? Because she kept fighting. I know. I love her like spitfireness. Like, I'm not going to let you tell me what's happening here. But she does seem kind of resigned to it in a certain way. Okay. So, oh, back to Sanditon. Lady D is in bed. And all her needy relations are gathered around her. (laughs) And she wakes up and calls them bloodhounds. And she (laughs) says that they're waiting for her to die in vain and calls for more (laughs) seawater. I was like, that's probably why she's dying. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be so dehydrated. (laughs) (laughs) This is probably why she's dying full of like gross algae and disgusting fish. Bring her some salt free water, please. (laughs) Seriously. Or a, a doctor. <laughs> you know that she'll believe, I guess. I don't know that she'll believe any of them. She agrees. <laughs> Esther is trying to convince her that she's very ill. And Edward, so tactless, is like, can we fetch you a priest or a solicitor? And she says, I don't want either. <laughs> I've already talked to my solicitor. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I don't plan on dying for several decades, I think, is where she says that. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like she's delirious. <laughs> oh, so you brazenly wanting me to die is not going to get you in the will. Like, if I can tell that you want me to kick the bucket, why would I give you money? <laughs> I call this lizard. Let me change it right this second. <laughs> <I'm dying. laughs> He's so stupid. Okay, so back in London, Sydney is telling Charlotte that Otis is a gambler with debts all over town. And she says, well, still, I don't think he would try to hurt Georgiana. And she doesn't actually think that Sydney even cares about Georgiana. Charlotte, oh, this is where she calls out his inability to take responsibility. I'm like, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Someone said it. And he says, you don't know me. (laughs) She says, it's because you take pains to be unknowable. (laughs) (laughs) And she doesn't think that, or he doesn't think that she knows anything about love. And she says that I'd rather be naive than insensible of feeling. And you can tell that that actually hits him in the heart. And he says that his life would be easier if it were. I love how men can justify being a dick for years because of one heartbreak they had. (laughs) Get a therapist. This is not healthy. No. Uh, Too bad I don't think there was was therapy back then. Sadly, no. No. I think the ocean seems to be his therapy. That man stays in the pool. (laughs) (laughs) He resorts... Just forever, yeah. like, let's go commune with the waves. <laughs> Gotta work through spirits. some stuff. He resigns to wearing all black as well. I just noticed that this episode. I was like, he's always wearing black like he's in mourning. It's like, all right, grow up. Yeah, maybe he's a goth, you know? We're always finding he, secret uh, Jane Austen goth. In 10 years. So. <laughs> yes, there's always one goth per adaptation. I mean, Esther is clearly <laughs> the goth of this. Yes, we've got two. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe Sydney is too, deep down. Okay. Esther absolutely would stay in Hot Topic if she were alive in like 2007. (laughs) Yes. yes. And just look down her nose at everyone else in there. Okay. So back in Sanditon, Edward is looking frantically for the will. Esther actually seems appalled by his lack of sympathy for Lady D. And it seems like Esther may be seeing through him now that she's had her whole heartbreak, I guess. She's starting to look at him more realistically. Thank God. And maybe regretting some choices she made recently. <sighs> I feel so bad for Esther. <laughs> Me too. I love her. So, okay, then the, we don't spend that much time in Sanditon in this episode. So we're back to London. Sydney orders Charlotte to stay in the carriage. And he goes into the, this is the quote unquote boarding house. Actually, uh, brothel of some sort it seems like mm-hmm. and he's definitely been there a time or two because the woman who owns it knows him <laughs> <laughs> like oh welcome back yeah we got some girls in the <laughs> do you want the you. usual <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> loyalty card at this point are you feeling more brunette or blonde today <laughs> uh, yeah charlotte comes in right behind him though which is so funny it's <laughs> really funny Ordering her around does not work. And she basically demands to know where Georgiana is. Well, so does Sydney. That I don't like that brothel lady, the owner, because she's like, oh, you know, she seems so helpless in this scene. But the previous scene, she was all, oh, I love selling young girls to men. <laughs> yeah, just like common sex trafficker, I guess. I know. I mean, I'm sure she's got, we don't know anything about her backstory. I like to bring right. up backstories for the tiniest of characters. Oh, Charlotte gives Sydney her quintessential squinty eye look and is like, is this what you call love? 
gesturing <laughs> to the room. Just, but I think that's actually what really gets to Sydney. In the end, I think that's why he makes his 360 or, you know, finally, not 360, 180. <laughs> 180. <laughs> He's in plenty of- Was it a 360? It might have been a 360. <laughs> plenty of 360s. He just keeps spinning in place. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so they take off again. Back at Sanditon, Edward has been searching all night. He says, uh, Esther has like been sleeping on this teeny tiny couch. And he says, there's no use in you helping me. Why don't you go home and tell everybody that Lady D is dying or fine, or I don't know what he wants her to tell him. Georgiana back is in a carriage and she is saying that she would rather cut her own throat than be happy about marrying this oily dude. Mood. And <laughs> <laughs> this much. is where I was like, I think she's doing pretty well. I would be a puddle of tears. <laughs> yeah, she's still fighting. Yeah, she's, she's like, just give me a knife and we'll see what happens. <laughs> Sydney is driving his carriage himself, basically, as they come upon them. And he performs a daring act of do in a Regency action sequence, hurtling himself <laughs> onto a moving carriage. <laughs> very need for speed. It was like, very I was like what is this? <laughs> we got a stunt actor and everything? I don't know. Maybe he does his own stunts. I doubt he did his own. They probably wouldn't let you jump from carriage to carriage if you're like the main actor in a series, though. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Tom Cruise has his own stunts. And wasn't he, wasn't Theo James, isn't he like famous for that Divergent series, which mm -hmm. is very actiony? Oh, is that? He was so he four in might... Divergent. Right, right. Isn't that his name? Is, is it four? I What's read those name? books a long, long, long time ago. Like... <laughs> I said that really confidently, and now I'm I not sure that's actually this character. I think it is, yeah. I don't know if that's the party plate, but I think there is a character name for it. <laughs> Great. Cool. Yes. We'll go with that. Okay. So they get Georgiana. They leave the gross man red-faced and yelling about being owed money. And then we go back to Sanditon House. Edward is still looking. And Clara comes in triumphantly with a paper. Looking for this. They read the will and see that Lady D, just like we wanted, is leaving our money to the town. Yay. <laughs> what, exactly a donkey stud in her name, which is like, that was such, such a weird, like, detail. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> what? I feel like that's Lady D being like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, finger to the town. <laughs> yes. You want my money? How about you make a donkey stud in my name? <laughs> and that will last my <laughs> legacy. I just love her. <laughs> I mean, she's not great, but I love her in her own way. <laughs> in her own way. I just, I like the idea that Edgar is so stupid that it, he was searching all day and night to find this will. And I just I love the impression that Clara just found it within seconds of looking. She um, probably knew where it was just, to begin with. <laughs> exactly, which is why she's the best out of the three of them, in my opinion. I'm sure she probably knew the second Lady D hit it. She was watching from behind a curtain. Okay, that's where the will is, just for future knowledge. Exactly. If he was smart, he would have worked with her from the beginning. That's true. Well, he's not that he's definitely not. <laughs> Stupid. He's just greedy and horny. <laughs> <laughs> the two worst combinations. <laughs> Very true. Uh, uh, Clara is like, I think it'd be better if this will is never found. And she wants to negotiate with Edward. She wants to get her money and she wants half, but she seems to agree to a fifth. For now. <laughs> it's kind of like ends before we really see what happens, but it seems like, okay, I'll take a fifth. So 
back in London, Sydney and the girls are back at the London house. I don't know if that's a family house or I don't know. Maybe it's Sydney house. Really <laughs> Tom greets them. You know, I don't even, was that not in this episode that Tom was writing to Mary? Yeah. And I even write that down. Because <laughs> <laughs> Tom has been there feeling bad about himself and trying to write an apology letter to Mary. But still only talking about reclaiming their fortune. And it's like, I know. sir. There are some moments in this episode where I'm like, Tom, could you please like listen to people when they speak to you as opposed to just talking all the time? <laughs> you and Sydney have so many qualities that are so similar. You just express them much differently. In certain ways. I'd definitely rather hang out with Tom though. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on the circumstance. Okay. Everyone is quiet and tired back in the at home and Georgiana wants to know what's going to happen to Otis. And Sydney shows a crack and he's like, he knows heartbreak. He knows what heartbreak feels like. And you can see Charlotte falling for him right there. It's like, don't <laughs> do it. She shows the slightest bit of niceness. Don't do it. The <laughs> bar like, is so you're low. you're so hot. I want to like you. <laughs> <laughs> the bar is on the floor. It's like one of my other podcasts, the bar is always in hell for men because it is literally like the 1% of emotion. She's like, well, he must be for me then. He's like the Ever since she saw him naked. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. It It reminds me of the TikTok trend that's happening lately where it's like, show me, tell me that you're a man over 30 who has a shit together without telling me that you're a man over 30 that has a shit together. And it's all like, I have a bed frame. My apartment is clean. Like, once you leave the house, that doesn't, (laughs) no. Oh, Oh standards. Okay, so, yeah. Okay, so Sydney and Tom have a talk. Tom is like, it's not your fault, Sydney. And hallelujah, Sydney admits that it is his fault. Shocking. Who says, how can a man begin to make amends until he's ready to face his own fault? This is exactly what I've been saying. He should have just put like a dash Charlotte at the end because he did not get that idea himself. Straight from Charlotte. (laughs) Exactly. Um, It's a dose of honesty all around, though, as Sydney encourages Tom to be honest. Tom admits that he's in trouble. He has no way to pay the workers. No one in London cares. And worst of all, he's lost the trust of Mary, the best person in his life. Sydney says that he will lend him the money for the workers. Sydney, you've had this money the whole time and now you're going to lend it to <laughs> Do him. anything about it. Oh my God. And Babington, the best character of the show, <laughs> will know who to talk to. <laughs> yes. And to raise interest in the regatta. Uh, Lord Babington is the real heartthrob of the series. Yes. He's the best oh. character, the best mm-hmm. male character, I think, in all of Jane Austen. He's sitting here with a broken heart, too, and he does his part. He doesn't owe any of these exactly. people anything. And he's like, I'll get you tickets <laughs> to this big event. I'll help you talk up this regatta. Yes. <sighs> I did. I read after I watched the episode, the vulture recap of this episode, which is kind of hilarious um, because they're very much. <laughs> not about giving Sydney <laughs> any redemption. Um, but they did give some kind of conversions for how much the money. Oh. So let's see. Okay, so when the the guy who was kidnapping Georgiana said that he owe, that they owe him 1,800 pounds, 
which is actually about 158,000 pounds or $205,000. Um, oh. And then when Tom tells him that he's, what uh, Sydney says that he's going to lend him $3,000, that's actually $260,000. So <laughs> they're like- well, Tom is really, really in debt. He's probably like yes. millions in debt. Yeah, and that's Sydney probably just, like the bottom. He could just casually give him this money. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, here you go. Tell us about yeah, how much I mean, you hate the sugar trade. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Literally. He's like, hey, Tom, you know how much money you can make if you don't pay your workers? I can just give it to you. <laughs> I mean, it's so funny, like the parallels, just unpaid labor. Plus, presumably, he's basically in charge of all of Georgiana's money as well. Which is a lot. Yeah, more. I don't, I don't understand like this, the, his complete opposition to Otis and Georgiana because like he's in charge of her until she comes of age. But like, why would you try and forbid her from seeing Otis when you could just be like, okay, if you want to marry him, when you come of age, you could do that. And then if in those, what is it? Two years until she reaches mm-hmm. majority, like if, if Otis loses interest in that time or, like, shows himself to be a bad person, then that's solved. Like, just say you can get married when, right. when <laughs> you're in charge yes. of your own life. <laughs> just bad yes. problem solving all around. Yeah, I think Sydney must have done some research into Otis and realized that he had debts and just assumed that, like, that's the only reason he was after her. Probably didn't do that much research. He's probably like, oh, he has debts. Well, no, <laughs> you know. Right. It's just one of those things where, again, if Sydney had spent five minutes invested in Georgiana's life, he could have just chaperoned them the whole time. And those types of men, like the Wickhams and all the evil ones, always end up showing their ass themselves anyways because they can't hide it. So what? Yeah. maybe if, you, if it was true, then it would have came to light on its own. But, you know, he would have had to do something responsible. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, that's so like pulling teeth for him. Um, so, okay, we're back at Xanaton. The will is burning in the fireplace as Clara and Edward watch. And this seems to really turn them on because they immediately start kissing and end up on the floor. <laughs> Things move really quickly. Yeah, very, very quickly. Seriously. I was like, how is it even possible to move that quickly with all those clothes on? <laughs> <laughs> but we don't stay with them for very long because we're back to London. Charlotte has been so overwhelmed. She just doesn't know what to think anymore. She's always been certain of her judgment, but now she thinks she was blinded by sentiment and naivety. And she thinks that Sydney hates her. And Tom laughs. He's like, he definitely doesn't hate you. He's just hard to read. (laughs) Tom says that he used to be different when he was younger, that he was in love with a woman named Eliza, but she broke her engagement and broke his heart to marry a rich man. And Tom, at that time, had to pay all of Sydney's debts, and Sydney sailed to Antigua to forget her. And I was like, shouldn't you have been paying him back then, Sydney? (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's just too much Sydney hate from my side. (laughs) (laughs) No. What a coping mechanism, though. (laughs) Like, you you get broken up with, and so you go into the slave trade? (laughs) Such um... an interesting choice. Strange choice. I feel like he was more just trying to get on a boat and get out of town and just mm. ended up there. Mm. But I mean, that's giving him a lot of benefit of the doubt, but Regency <laughs> version of I'm just going to get in my car and drive. Like, yes, go for a drive. 
I know Jane Austen had a relative who um, I think her aunt got something happened and she went to India to like try to start a new life. And that was a crazy story. <laughs> it's so interesting how they can just pick up and leave. To these, well, like, I guess the Navy was a, such a big thing at the time. Maybe boat travel was pretty easy. Was the biggest Navy in the world at the time. Yeah. Okay. So Otis comes over. Sydney is still on the nice train and he has set it up. And because now he thinks that Otis and Georgiana deserve a proper parting. So Otis says that he has gambled, but never with her name. He only boasted of her beauty and wit, but not her wealth. And he'll never forgive himself for putting her in harm's way. But he swears he never gave a damn about her fortune. And he wants her to believe him. But she says, what difference does it make now? And they both look so heartbroken. It breaks my heart. So (laughs) just like looks so sad. I just want to hug him. (laughs) It's just like, it's, I like totally believe everything about him. It's just the fact that he put Georgiana in that situation that she probably just can't get over. And it's like the one time we have someone who is like earnest about their feelings, even though they have this bad past, it's like, we have to let them go. It sucks. I know. But you know, if they ever were to do a season two, I bet we'd get some redemption. (laughs) Oh, probably. Okay. (laughs) Um, As Otis is leaving, Charlotte says goodbye. He tells her that Sydney has paid his debts and Charlotte's really starting to look at Sydney differently now. I mean, I think literally she's not squinting at him anymore. (laughs) (laughs) In pure rage, like we all were. Just, I I have so many thoughts on like the acting choices that this actress made. (laughs) They're they're very odd. Is Charlotte? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, tell us. What do you think? Oh, just all the all the squinting and like. Just the the way that she uses her face to emote, it, it mm-hmm. feels very like high school drama class to me. But maybe well, I'm just she is a being... high schooler, basically. Yeah, that's, true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Yeah, I I kind of love the way that you can see like every weird thought that goes through her head expressed in her like eyebrows. <laughs> just... <laughs> it's like uh, less of that like British style of acting where it's very like subtle and you kind of have to like like be very intuitive into what they're thinking and she just kind of wears every single thing on her face which I really appreciate about Charlotte (laughs) yeah definitely (sighs) but I can understand like you know it is kind of overly expressive compared to like Mm. a lot of acting styles but I love her (laughs) especially for the Austin world okay so Clara and Edward are putting their clothes back on and Clara now wants a quarter of the money. Uh, she lets Edward know that she knows about him and Esther. And she has the leverage, so she's getting her quarter. And this is the part where I was like, Edward, this is the one moment where I feel like you're especially hot. Normally, I don't feel like Edward is all that attractive. But something about him with his cigarette looking at her from under his brows with his shirt off, I'm like, okay, I, I Okay. Okay. I get it. <laughs> Maybe it was the humiliate humiliation of <laughs> Clara bettering him. Maybe so easily. Maybe. So easily. <laughs> Her shutting him up for a minute. Yes. <laughs> Babington. Oh no no no. Oh yeah. I already said. It. Okay. Babington is visiting London, or I guess he's there already, and 
or he's visiting the London house. He's gotten Tom and company an invitation to a fancy party, which Charlotte initially declines. Back in Sanditon, Esther is at her house. Edward comes in saying he couldn't find the will. And Esther's like, well, that's good for us then, right? And um, Edward's like, yeah, definitely good for us. But when he kisses her on the forehead and says, yes, good, she looks very suspicious. I'm wondering, did she like smell Clara on him? (laughs) I mean, that's (laughs) what immediately came to my head. I don't know. (laughs) I feel like she's just now always going to be suspicious of Edward just because he's so focused on that money. I think he was just being cagey. Like he didn't give her any more information. He was clearly keeping something where it's like, did you you find it? Oh no. After he was like manically looking for it the entire day before and literally tearing the house apart. Then he comes back. He's like, oh, couldn't find Mm, it. But I guess that's a good thing. She's like, um, (laughs) something has happened to cause this shift in tone. You're not telling me something. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe she's also finally realizing like, oh, he, he doesn't have our best interests at heart. Like he's, dragging me along and using me any way he can to get to money yeah yeah he definitely Which only is has really his sad. best interest so. <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe not even his best interest just his most rich interests his wallet's best interest <laughs> that's what i'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> so back in london charlotte is thinking very hard Sydney comes in and asks her to reconsider going to the party and she wants to know why he paid off Otis's debts. He says a good man shouldn't have his life ruined by one terrible mistake, which is very admirable of Sydney, but seems very out of character. (laughs) Charlotte tries to apologize. He doesn't accept because he should be the one to apologize for underestimating her. I like it, Sydney. <laughs> a little humble pie. Yes. Apology one of 500 that are owed. <laughs> it's a good starting point. Yes, agreed. Charlotte is dressed up in gold for the ball. Did you guys like Charlotte's outfit? I did. So Emily is definitely more of like the period <laughs> dress person of this podcast. I'm just like, oh, that's pretty. I know nothing. <laughs> no, I like, I like it. I mean, yeah. I've had... Lauren knows we watched the first couple episodes uh, together. So Lauren knows that I have some, some confused thoughts on some of the costuming choices they've made, but for (laughs) the most part, like, yeah, I I liked her, her ball gown. It was nice. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know anything about costumes. So I just go purely on what do I like? And I think the gold looks good on her, but I don't know. Maybe it's the hair. I was like, there's something that I feel like she could look more beautiful, but well, Regency know. hair is generally That's not true. very flattering. Once, well, once you get to the, <laughs> the side front curls. Yeah, it's the pops uh, on era. the side, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Historically accurate, but not very good looking. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why they have her. We were talking about her hair when we were watching the episodes together too. It's like her hair is always down because how else are you going to know that she's a main character? It's like we have to make sure. Please, someone, someone introduce her to a bobby pin. Yeah, (laughs) I swear. Well, I mean, they're always in the the water. (laughs) Right. Right. True. Her dress seemed very regal to me, though. Like just compared to like. Other people's, like Lady Susan's, seemed very kind of like normal at the time. Like it was nice, but it didn't seem it. Like I don't know, Charlotte's dress just seemed very like 
I don't know. Did someone buy the city buy it for her? Like it was very expensive. I wonder like, if it's it like Mary's like maybe, or something. Maybe she borrowed maybe. one from Georgiana because when be Georgiana first arrives in Sanditon, she was wearing a gown that seemed like it was more like fashionable than the other people there by like a, a couple seasons maybe. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I feel like Charlotte's gown in this later scene is kind of in line with that. So maybe it's Georgiana's. Yeah. I could totally see that. The gold does look good on her, though. I could see Georgiana mm-hmm. wearing gold, too. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, did, did you have to go? I'm sorry. Am I... Um, actually, yeah, I think I do. Okay. <laughs> I'm so Damn. sorry. I, okay. I, I wish that I could have stayed and chatted for longer, but I know oh, that we're... you guys will have a great time with Lauren because she's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were glad to have you for the time that we got you. So yeah, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much for coming on yeah, being a you. guest on our podcast. Yeah, y'all have a great day. And you I too. can't wait to hear th- about the rest of what y'all talk about. I'll fill you in. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye. 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 All right. Well, let's just get back into it. <laughs> <laughs> now we just have Lauren, but we're very excited to keep talking to her about it. Hi. So, okay. <laughs> so uh, I was wondering why, I mean, I guess I understand why Georgiana isn't going, but I was like a little wondering why is Georgiana stuck at home? It seems depressing, but I guess it would be herself. just as depressing to go to a fancy ball when you're feeling like crap. And I wonder too, I feel like London society would probably be like used to her at this point because she's been in London for longer. But after that chilly reception she got in Sanditon when she first walked in, I definitely wouldn't want that extra level of scrutiny when I'm already heartbroken and I've just been traumatized. Like, no, just leave me alone in my room. Don't look at me. I do not wish to be perceived. Yeah, I was, um, I didn't really, I guess it's a masked ball, so it was harder to tell, but I did appreciate that when we were going through London, we saw a lot more people of color in the streets, and I was wondering if there were any at the ball, but I didn't, I didn't notice, but I wasn't really looking, then everyone had masks on, so. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe somebody with a tan. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, it's not Bridgerton, it's not just, you know, as diverse. yeah. Yeah, Sanditon is kind of the pale version of Bridgerton. (laughs) (laughs) Not as steamy and not as colorblind. Yeah. Okay. So they're at the fancy mess ball. They have the flowery trees inside. Mr. Crow is there and he greets them fairly jovially. And they all have a mission. And, you know, they're going to tell everyone about this regatta. Charlotte, though, feels like an outsider. And Sydney admits that he does too. Does he really explain why he feels like an outsider or does he just say that? Like, he seems like he was born into this. So why does he feel like an outsider? There's, I I can see no reason except for that. Maybe (laughs) he just, you know, maybe once he got his heart broken, he was like, none of these people understand me. And then he went off and he's (laughs) had his whole life and now he feels like an outsider too. (laughs) It feels very that. Okay. Yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> it's only because he won't let anyone into his inside that he has always on the outside. He's the only one who's ever experienced sadness. No one else. Only <laughs> right. I know. And that one heartbreak years ago was just like so devastating. Uh, mm. I know. I'm, I feel like I. this is the episode where it's like, oh, Sydney is really starting to turn around. And yet I'm still like <laughs> not giving no. you the benefit of the doubt, Sydney. <laughs> a long way to go. <laughs> So Tom is not hooking anyone on the regatta scheme. The room is so loud and Charlotte is just ready to leave. 
and Sydney gets real sexy and says, don't doubt yourself. You're equal to any woman here <laughs> right into her eyeballs. And <laughs> yeah, I was like, we just turned the temperature way up smolder. I was about to say, it was like um, that tangled, like get ready for the smolder. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. We just turn it on real quick. I know. I was like, okay, give me the fans. We're we're, (laughs) we're moving this into the next gear. Okay. So Sydney gets called away though. Charlotte is left with Babington and uh, Babington wants to know if it's possible for a woman to change her opinion of a man in a single day. So sweet. (laughs) I love Babington, but she, Charlotte looks at Sydney and gets flustered by the question and makes a hasty excuse to leave. She's like, um, the opposite of feeling like I hate a person to do I want to jump on this person's back right now? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes to find a quiet spot by a window and there is a woman there who is also hiding. And Charlotte ends up telling her the entire story of the abduction just comes out of her mouth. <laughs> like, I don't know. You should probably keep that a secret, Charlotte. But <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, it seems like maybe this ball might have some people like Mr. B. Croft. And you might want to like, spread do you that just want to keep your friend's reputation like slightly intact? Or are you just going to go blab and people like, oh yeah, by the way, she was nearly ruined. Nope. It was a whole thing. I couldn't believe it. Uh, I do have sympathy though, because I'm the type of person who just blabs about my entire life to someone upon first meeting them. And I'm like, hi, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, she apologizes as well for talking too much. And Lady Susan, as the woman introduces herself, seems pleased with Charlotte. She gets her to admit her feelings for Sydney, or she, I guess, points out her feelings for Sydney. Mm -hmm. Uh, Charlotte says she hates him the most, yet wants him to like her the most. And Susan's like, well, that sounds like love to me. And Charlotte (laughs) denies it. And then Sydney comes in and asks Charlotte to dance. I don't know. Does it sound like love? <laughs> I know it sounds like uh, literary love. <laughs> maybe at maybe at face value, I would like for Charlotte just to go into the backstory a little bit more and to see Lady Susan's reactions to the whole entire experience. <laughs> Let me tell you this thing he said to me. <laughs> so he made me like, cry in the street, now. and then we made up, and then he made me cry in the house, and then he was nice to me, and then, <laughs> then I saw him naked, and my feelings just went crazy. <laughs> and she would lean in and be like, "Well." <laughs> tell me more uh, but, but I do like her and I'm interested to see if she comes back to the story yes I was in the vulture recap they were saying that it's kind of like a little nod to like the Lady Susan novella little, little what is it called what are, uh, yes yeah is that what it's called mm-hmm. uh-huh mm-hmm. A novel. yeah that's, that's what they were saying. They were like, they were saying it was like a nod to it. I didn't know. I mean, the name obviously is a kind of a dead giveaway, but I don't know. I don't know anything. Well, about I that. think from something that I did in my deep dive that she might be a reference to some specific person in history, but I don't know okay. if I should say it yet because we kind of find out who she is in a later episode. So I might, oh, okay. I won't really say what it is right now, but there's like a specific person in history who she might be based on. Maybe Lady Susan as well, Mm. but... Okay, so we're almost to the end. Sydney does not want to dance with the other ladies, just Charlotte. And she's like specifically, do you want to dance with me? Because I'm me, like, why is this, you know? And he's 
assures her, no, it's you I want to dance with. So I'm like, okay, we're getting honest with each other. We really want it. We know we both want each other. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Make it clear for one dance at least. And oh yeah, this is where I was like, pass me the fan because there's so much deep eye gazing during this dance. (laughs) (laughs) So much. No talking, just looking. (laughs) Just staring deep into each other's eyes. They laugh a little. They seem to be having a good time. And I feel like Charlotte, this is where she really actually falls in love. You know, she might've been questioning it the scene before, but she's like, okay, he wants to dance with me. I want to dance with him. We're having fun. I think this might actually be happening. (laughs) And when the dance is over, Sydney turns his head and sees a woman and Tom asks Charlotte to dance next. Okay. So then we see Sydney find the woman and he smiles at her, which is something he rarely does smiling. And as Tom and Charlotte dance, he says that dancing really restored Sydney's spirits and that it was the, also the presence of a certain young lady, which I just want to chide Tom for a second and say, you've been observing them now, Charlotte and Sydney together, at least, this, you know, just the interaction today should have, a, you know, when she came down the stairs in the gold dress and he's yes. like, oh, but he couldn't possibly like you. <laughs> it's <this> other lady. <laughs> oh, so tactless. Okay. Oh, so... Tom. Yeah, it's, it's the lady he's talking to right now, who is the lady, Mrs. Campion. And she's the one who broke Sydney's heart back in the day. Now she's conveniently widowed, and Charlotte is left thunderstruck in the middle of the dance floor. And that is where we end dun, the episode. Dun, dun. <laughs> oh, Lord. What's going to uh, happen next? I don't know. <laughs> it's funny because I've seen the whole series, and yet... It's been so long that now each episode, I'm like, I remember certain things that happened at the very end, but I don't really remember any of the specifics of the story. (laughs) I've also been reading those vulture recaps, Christian, and I Uh wish I so agree with the writer of those recaps when she says, like, you can watch, like, Lord Babington and Esther go from, like, Mm -hmm. slightly enemies to, like, building some affection between the two so the writers know how to do it and they just haven't done it properly with Sydney and Charlotte because the actors have so much chemistry I just wish they had a better script yeah because I think if it if it had been written differently with how much chemistry they have just by looking at each other like mm-hmm. on the dance floor scene I would be all in right but like as it stands right now with how Sydney's been written I'm like Charlotte and Young Stringer five ever like just give me that pairing and I'll be happy yes <laughs> I'm like, Charlotte, just go home and don't bother with any of these boys. (laughs) (laughs) But I, yeah, I totally agree. I think that it was their intention to do multiple episodes. I was actually just reading an, uh, an interview with one of the writers, I think. And she was like, yeah, I mean, it was supposed to be an arc that spanned two seasons, which I guess if you have that much time, it's easier to just not make Sydney at all good for the first you know <laughs> right make him uh, so shitty third of your story <laughs> but yeah he's uh this is the episode where he starts to feel hotter <laughs> for sure yes <laughs> and i do appreciate that he is having some self reflection brought about by charlotte yeah i know i kind of have always had a little bit of an issue with the way that a lot of these adaptations set up like the 
the main heroine and the main love interest, kind of like in Pride and Prejudice, how Lizzie and Mr. Darcy kind of have to have to have this tumultuous relationship and then end up falling in love. And I feel like in this one, it's been like magnified times like a hundred because he's so mean. But I just like, I want one time where they can just be nice to each other or just be like cordial from the beginning. They don't have to be so mean to each other. Or mainly from I remember one side. correctly, I believe the next episode might be that episode. <laughs> might be. Which one? The one where they're actually nice to each other <laughs> from uh, the beginning. <laughs> where we get a little taste <laughs> of civility between them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. But I, I do, I could see them redeeming him even more through a second season. I personally would like a little bit of a second season, like maybe like a year or two from now and see them maybe mature both a little bit. Um, and see how that goes but I feel like if they were to do a second season that has to do with the drama of whether or not he marries Mrs. Campion and if it's been two years and like they definitely would have gotten married by then and so then it's just like right unrequited pining yeah unless somebody dies yeah I feel like a second season would be more like you know Charlotte goes home and then comes back for the summer to work for um, Tom and help, like you know, run because she's already doing all of his paperwork and stuff for him. Right. So, yeah, he probably would be like, oh, no, 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 don't leave. <laughs> I can barely handle <laughs> this without you. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> understand <you>. <laughs> numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to ship her so bad with Young Stringer, but I just feel like he's not complex enough, which we could get more of him in a season two that would justify that. But yeah, just a little too. I feel like he's got his plain. own stuff to work out before we can really have a successful relationship with yes. anyone. <laughs> seriously. That's some daddy issues he needs to work on. Yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> some inferiority complex. <laughs> but I'm sure that uh, Charlotte could help him too. Charlotte going around making everybody a better person. <laughs> of course. She's always got to fix everything, I guess. Well, you know, I would love to see Georgiana's storyline next season because mm-hmm. you know will her and Otis start talking again will she meet someone new maybe her and Arthur will actually strike up a friendship because I just love I mm-hmm. mean maybe not to get together but like they're just just a, a friendship pairing together yeah they seem to have that in that one kind of moment early in the series they seem to have some sort of like I don't know like a moment together of just like it almost felt like friendship was budding yeah. in a way but we didn't really get more of it but I would just like to, yeah, her for her to come back for the summer again and just like, it's almost like summer vacation with her friends. Yeah. I mean, Arthur is so good natured. I, I mean, if he would just be like her chaperone instead of Miss Griffiths, I'm sure they would get yes. into so many fun shenanigans. Yes. It would be great. Yes. <laughs> but he would be so much easier for her to manipulate Miss <laughs> Griffiths. Probably. <laughs> She'd be like, I got you a whole well, dinner. Miss Griffiths too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Well, did we have any favorite parts from today's episode? Hmm. I was going to say, I really enjoyed that carriage chase. It was very unexpected. I thought they were just going to, like, block the road or whatever, but it was very very tense for a Jane Austen adaptation. I really loved it. You never get an action sequence in Jane Austen. (laughs) No. I almost thought we were going to get, like, a fight or something. I was like, oh, my gosh, we're really getting everything, but... No, this is not John Wick. Yeah, it's a good thing we'd established in like the first or second episode that Sydney is good at boxing. <laughs> right. Yeah, we could have used that, but I guess not. <laughs> Maybe he's infamous and that's why that guy didn't even try it. <laughs> Your name is legend. He's a infamously, 
infamously legendary small boxer <laughs> who can somehow beat these guys who are much larger than him. <laughs> yeah, the driver didn't seem like too tough. And the, uh, oh, I don't even know what his name was. The Henchman. oily guy was definitely not going to fight anybody. <laughs> no, he didn't even get up. No, he didn't get out of character. He stayed in the carriage. He was like, uh. Do I want to fight my equivalent of 250,000 pounds? Uh, so much effort. Nah. <laughs> I can't step out. Go buy a gross. different young girl, you grossy. Uh, was like, uh, don't want to die. Right? I think my favorite moment was very brief. It was the shock on Sydney's face when Charlotte followed him in and he realized that he had overheard her. <laughs> Find out that he had been to this Bravo all the time just because great. that was so funny. <laughs> that was my favorite It was very much that like <laughs> that episode of The Office where they're at Applebee's and Dwight and, um, oh my God, I'm so bad. Angela. Angela, and she just kind of shows up right next to him. It was very bad. <laughs> yes. I did not realize that until you said it, but very that energy. Yeah, it's yes. like, oh shit. Oh gosh, I was trying to think of my favorite moment. It was so hard. It's so hard because I really like this episode. There's like just so much stuff that happens. I guess, uh, you know, I liked their dance. It was pretty hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a very and intricate dance. I was like, I don't know how these people remember all these dances. I ask myself that all the time. How do they just all know these dances? Do you have dance practice? Like, what do you, how do you know this? Yes. <laughs> Well, I'm pretty sure they like, did have dance practice. That's I feel true. like in other Jane Austen books, they'll talk about like, oh, Mariah Lucas oh, is yeah. coming here. We're going to practice our quadrilles or something. <laughs> it's just like, it's especially with these because it's all about like the placement too. So if you're in this spot, then you have to form the arch first. And it's like, I don't, I can't remember all that. <laughs> I can't remember anything about this. Just dancing. let me do the cha-cha slide and tell oh. me the instructions and the music. And I'm like, I'm good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just give me a drink and let me sit in the corner yeah some of the long the bigger dances with like a bunch of people you could probably just like watch people out the corner of your eye and basically keep up but like that one that they were doing was so weirdly intimate and like it's like very hand placements and uh, can't i wonder if charlotte practices with her like 15 brothers and sisters back home <laughs> <laughs> they could probably do a whole sequence there's one point where she's in the ball and she's like, it's so crowded. There's too many people. And I'm like, girl, I'm pretty sure that's your normal life. <laughs> having about 15 people around you at all times. <laughs> Don't you share a room with your 11 siblings? <laughs> Seriously. Uh, so I guess my favorite besides the dance would be just Sydney's finally taking some responsibility for himself. It's not a specific moment, but I do appreciate it. Finally. <laughs> yeah. So that I can actually maybe kind of start to like him. That would be nice. <laughs> I think the show wants me to. <laughs> it opens up the opportunity for it to possibly happen. <laughs> yes. That's how I look at it. <sighs> All right. Well, uh, we're already really far into the episode, so I'm just going to do a short deep dive this week. Actually, I might, let's just talk about Sydney because he's who I did it on. I have more research into a different topic, but we can save it for next one. When it's just me, Christian, I'm sure I'll have plenty of time to film. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, okay. A little bit about Sydney. I found a poll with 1,493 votes between Sydney and Young Stringer and Sydney had 56.73 and Young Stringer (sighs) 43.27. 
Which, wrong with people? Uh, I mean, I think it's pretty good that they're that close, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially as how little we get of Young Stringer in this first season. Yeah. But he's just but still, so oh. nice. 56% Sydney. Where's the category People. for? Go home alone, Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> They've been brainwashed by this trope of there having to be a lot of conflict. And there doesn't have to be. They can just be nice people. Yeah, exactly. You can find somebody who immediately appreciates your intellect and like genuinely respects you as a person. <laughs> it's not impossible. You can find a Lord Babington. <laughs> yes. yes. That's who Charlotte should be with, actually. That's my theory. Except for mm, he loves Lester so much. Yeah. She, I feel like she needs someone that she can whip into shape, like Mr. Crow. Maybe she can get him to stop being oh, an alcoholic. Oh, she can whip Babington into shape. I'm sure he'd be happy to let yeah, her. she's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh. I just love that he loves her so much. And so it makes me be like, well, I don't want anyone else for Lord Babington because he yeah, just appreciates he's her just, so much. He's just the most, in my opinion, the most perfect bachelor rich person that's a man in any of Jane Austen's, you know, repertoire, which really she didn't write much about him, obviously, but. <laughs> well, that we know so far. <laughs> exactly. So, but he's just so perfect. Yeah. And I really appreciate yeah. the fact that he's like, you know, just heartbroken. He, Sydney, heartbroken years ago, still a dick. Babington, heartbroken <laughs> days ago. And it's still like, I'm going to help the town that I probably don't even want to go back to because then I have to see the girl that I really love. And still helpful so Babington, you're a good guy in my book <laughs> yes okay but okay so back to sydney i found an interview with leo james and he was describing sydney so i thought maybe we could look at it from what he was looking how he was looking at sydney as an actor and he says he left home to find and make a man out of himself he went to antica where he became quite wealthy on the back of the sugar trade but he abhors the slave trade and as a result, feels dirty and guilty. So that's interesting that like, it's the guilt that is really hanging on him in his um, idea of how he's playing the character. Mm -hmm. And he thinks that he's the black sheep of the family, which I don't know where you get that from, but um, he's (laughs) reluctantly come back to town and, or he's reluctantly come back to the town he sees as parochial and not reflective of his status. So that's like a whole bunch of contradictory things in there, but I guess that's, you know, he's playing it like all these different things. I can see the guilt being like something that would make you feel all like, I can't talk to anyone. And I don't know why he would feel like the black sheep of the family, unless it's just because he had to leave it with debts. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's more of like that syndrome that a lot of, um, is he the youngest? I think he's like the middle child. Middle child. Okay. Well, very middle child where you're like, you know, you you kind of have to make yourself a status to kind of like give yourself one just to kind of, you know, have some sort of like, I guess, place in your family. Yeah. Because, you know. It's probably because he left and he, you know, he was probably falling apart before he left I wonder with all of his yeah. dads and yeah I wonder if he feels left out because he was in Antigua for all those years while Tom and Arthur I guess were still in England and forming their own relationships and then you come back and it's like 
when you haven't, when your friends have hung out without you and now they have all these inside jokes that you don't get and you're suddenly outside of the dynamic and you're looking at them like, how did this happen? I thought we were a unit. And now I feel very separated from all of this. So I wonder if that's it. But you know, they all seem to love him so much. Tom is (laughs) like, I love Sydney. He's the best guy. You can do nothing wrong. And Arthur loves everybody. You never, I mean, you don't even see Arthur and Sydney interact that much, but it's just weird. But then it's, it's funny that he's like, I'm the black sheep, but then I see this town as parochial and not reflective of my status. And I'm like, but you feel guilty about the slave trade. So why do you care about your status? So I don't know. That's very contra. I guess he's just a walking <laughs> contradiction. So yes. <laughs> yes. that interview reminded me of um, when Robert Pattinson was doing press tours for Twilight. Somebody asked him, um, you know, oh, how did you get the <laughs> role? Like, what was your audition process like? And he said, everybody else was playing Edward, like, really straight or really lovesick. But I read the script and I saw him as a manic depressive who hates himself. So that was how I played him. And I got it. <laughs> it's like, that sounds like how Theo James, <laughs> Sydney, now that you yeah. read it. That makes sense. Gosh. And now that I remember that, you know, he was in Divergent, which is kind of like a, with Twilight in my brain, the same thing. okay so classification astrology i i decided after much looking at a million things because i was just like which sign is the jerkiest which sign holds their feelings (laughs) you know i was just looking at all these random things but um okay so i went with aquarius which i have a lot of aquarius in my chart so (laughs) (laughs) maybe I'm talking about myself a little bit, but not really. So Aquarius, very detached people who intellectualize their emotions to the point of not fully understanding them, even as they are feeling them. That kind of sounds like him. Uh, This goes for their experience with others as well as themselves. It's as though one part of them is here on earth, having a human experience. And another part of them is in outer space, watching like an alien visiting to study human life. They can be complete assholes and don't even try to hide it or sugarcoat who they are. They own the shit out of who they are. And that's why people love them, even in the moments they want to hate them. I think that sounds a lot like Sydney. (laughs) (laughs) That last part. Believe me, there's a lot of good qualities to Aquarius. I always have to disclaimer when we're talking about a jerky character that the stuff I'm saying is not everything about Aquarius. So don't be offended. (laughs) I didn't find any other ones that I wanted to compare but then we also do the dnd um right. what were you thinking I was- um i mean just based on everything we've been given i would say he's more neutral evil <laughs> <laughs> like i don't want to give him neutral neutral because i don't think he's really entered that neutral neutral state yet he's a I little still on the bad neutral. side for me awful because that i don't also think it's not too bad I feel like he tries to do things by the book, but he doesn't really want to do things good or bad. He's just kind of like, I don't know. It's a little bit more, it could be like explained through like his self-interest. Like it's not necessarily whether it's good or bad. So yeah. That could... Did you have any um, ideas, Lauren? <laughs> I think I would have to go with, I would have to agree with neutral evil just because of his temper. I think if he didn't have like so feeling. many like outbursts, <laughs> I would, I would be cool with lawful neutral because he's very like, I don't really care about yeah. what's like, yes. yeah, what opinion. Yeah. I don't care about what your opinions are. Like, this is what I see as right. So I'm going to do it. But his temper, I think moves him more into like that neutral evil. And then Edward is like chaotic evil. 
<laughs> it's chaotic <laughs> evil. Like that's the difference between neutral and chaotic evil in my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good because they're very much contrasted against each other. It's like we get to see the sexy side of these evil men. <laughs> we neutral evil with the potential for lawful neutral. We'll see. Yes. If he yes. goes to therapy, if, if he goes into the ocean more. To Charlotte. If he goes to therapy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, well, did we have any final thoughts on the episode? I don't know. I mean, I'm interested to see where we go from here, just because I feel like we are being set up almost for there to be a season two in the way that we're just being introduced to Eliza Campion and they've just kind of entered that like place where Charlotte is kind of falling for him. So I'm interested to see because we only got like two episodes left, right? Yeah. So. We've only got a certain amount of time for that to be resolved if it is going to be resolved. So I'm interested to see where that goes and where does Georgiana's relationships with Sydney and even Mrs. Like Griffiths, where does that go from here? Like what happens? Yes. I'm interested. Definitely agree. <laughs> Did you have any final thoughts, Lauren? Um, I think that my final thoughts in this episode were that I was glad that Sydney got a little bit of a redemption. I think that was really my biggest takeaway. I was like, I'm glad that they started to kind of curve his character arc towards good for, <laughs> for <laughs> the sixth episode. Um, and that I really liked the different settings that we got to go to. I think my biggest takeaway was just, I really appreciated the change in um, Sydney's character arc, but I also liked to leave Sanditon for a little bit and see a little bit more of London. We got an action sequence, which I loved. Um, so I think those are the mm-hmm. things that most stood out to me. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, this was a very good episode, like a refreshing episode because we got to see, you know, Sydney have some self-reflection, which I do appreciate. I really liked, even though it was such horrible circumstances, but I loved getting to see a little more of Otis and like the heartbreak. I mean, gosh, I can't remember what was the actor's name who plays Otis. Um, He's really good. Sorry. And, he is um, really good. Yeah, I really felt for him. I am really hoping that Georgiana is in the rest. You know, I'm I fear I'm fear that she might be kind of shunted aside now that her story seems to have kind of been wrapped up. But yeah, I did. I really enjoyed it. I loved the action sequence, <laughs> and it was fun. It was fun. It was a fun episode. It was. It was really fun. <laughs> Judah James is his name. Oh, I'm sorry. Say it one more time. Judah James, like J Y U D D A H. Judah. Okay. Awesome. Giotta well, good job, Judah James. Did <laughs> 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 I say that right? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, I hope he comes back <laughs> if we get a season two. Yeah, me too. I don't know that we will get a season two, but we're still out no, here I'm hoping. hoping. <laughs> I'm not even finished, and I'm like, I hope there's a season two. <laughs> I, I know. I see. Um, the Save Sanditon crew has been trending the hashtag on Twitter a lot lately. They seem to have some some faith, but I don't know. I think I'm I'm more cynical. <laughs> I'm glad they have faith. Well, we did see that one article where they're like, maybe you know, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm, I th- I'm I love Marvel, so I'm used to being burned by. <laughs> <reports>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Rumors never tend to really work out in our favor. <laughs>
Well, let's go ahead and do our recommendations then. Yeah. Yep. Do you Who have wants one? to go first? Do you want me to go first? I could go sure. first. Because I um, have really only, besides this the podcast stuff, the only thing that I've been interested in is WandaVision, and we've already recommended it twice already. So it <laughs> <laughs> also would have been my recommendation. <laughs> Oh, no, no, you can recommend it again. I think it's the one show that deserves three recommendations, but that's not my recommendation for today. I recently, I have a friend who he did a lot of theater around town, but of course the past year, there hasn't been that much theater. So he's kind of started a new business making wreaths because he actually has a flower making background or not flower making, (laughs) flower arranging background. Yeah. And my sister got me one of his wreaths for well, when I moved in as like a housewarming gift, but it was a little on the Christmassy side. So he just opened an Etsy shop and I went and got this beautiful lavender and rosemary wreath. It's so beautiful. It's not real, of course, so it will last, but it looks very real. And I keep expecting mm-hmm. to catch a whiff of it because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just so, so pretty. But um, his Etsy shop is called Wreaths by Lee. And I would definitely recommend you go support him because they're gorgeous wreaths and, Mm -hmm. you know, we're all trying to get by in this crazy time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. We have one of his wreaths. Uh, It's almost like a year round wreath. doesn't really have like any sort of holiday affiliation and it's really pretty. And it's just like a, such a, like a random cool idea that he had that he somehow is, it just like has taken off. So Yeah. You should definitely buy some of his stuff. He's got good taste. (laughs) Wreaths by Lee. Check him out on Etsy. (laughs) All right. For my recommendation, I'm going to recommend a podcast this week. It is going to be Table Manners with Jesse Ware. I don't think I've recommended this one before. But it is a food podcast uh, hosted by Jesse Jesse Ware, right? I feel like I've heard you recommend just other Jesse Ware things. (laughs) She just had an album come out at the end of last year. It's very disco inspired. So good. But she also has a very popular podcast with her mom, Lenny, and they will have just guests come on. They had Elizabeth Olsen recently, which was a really good episode. So you should check that out. It's a really good one. And they talk about like, what was your childhood like? Who did the cooking in your family? Like, what were you eating growing up? And pre-pandemic, they would have like them over to their house and they would prepare like a giant meal and they would all, you know, talk about the meal. But Since it's over Zoom now, they were able to, they just kind of talk about more of like a food and they have like, what's your, you know, your, your final, your last meal, like what would be your last meal and stuff. So it's just really fun, a fun podcast to listen to. Some of the guests they have are really good. They had Andrew Lloyd Webber recently too. So they get, (laughs) they get pretty high profile people. And, but the Elizabeth Olsen was very good because she was filming in, England at the time when they recorded it and they asked Disney for permission because Elizabeth was such a big fan of the podcast for her to go in person and record it. So it was like hearing about their, like, I don't know, just their experience of having to like go by Disney rules and be like, we have to quarantine for two weeks or else Disney will kill us. And (laughs) it was really interesting. Um, And they also have a cookbook that I am looking to get because apparently it's very good, full of good Jewish food too. Yeah, wow. So she's a musician, a podcaster, and a cook? Yes. Or a yeah. chef? <laughs> wow. Yeah, they just some that's of the food they make is really, it just sounds delicious. And so that's why I'm like kind of pining to get this book. But I just got 
the Claire Sappitz cookbook, which will probably be a future recommendation of mine. <laughs> it's really good so far. Oh yeah. I forgot. <sighs> we mentioned on one of our previous, mm-hmm. I don't know, was it Sanditon or Secret Diary episodes? I think it was Secret Diary. Yeah. Cause Christian got this book and I had recommended Claire Sappitz's new thing. And he said he was going to make me a piece of cake. And I told everyone, I would tell them how it was, was, and it was delicious. Just want to let yes, you guys know. I'm in poppy seed. You can't go wrong. <laughs> Well, tell us your recommendation, Lauren. If you want to recommend WandaVision, please do it again. (laughs) I have. So I have another one um, because WandaVision's (laughs) already well represented. But I would like to recommend. So this book actually comes out today is the 28th, what day? March 2nd. I was like, what day is Tuesday? It comes out on March 2nd. It's called Down Comes the Night by Allison Saft, who happens to be a friend of mine from college. So it is a gothic YA fantasy romance, um, like slow burn enemies (laughs) lovers. (laughs) I am so excited. I'm, I'm, I'm slightly biased because I know Allison in real life and I adore her. She's just a wonderful human being, but I also really love her writing. Like every time I've been able to read something of hers, it feels like a gift. And I'm so excited that other people get to now like read her book and it will be, I think wherever you can Wherever your books are sold, you'll be able to buy Down Comes the Night on March 2nd. And it is fantastic. And I cannot wait for people to be able to read it and to be able to see Allison's stuff. So if you're looking, this is her debut novel. So if you're looking for something new to read, then if like Maya, like gothic wife, fantasy romance are all of your buzzwords, <laughs> where you're like, yes, inject this into my veins, you should go get this book. I think I will because I've been looking for a new book and I keep looking on like Audible and going, where's the kind of books that I love? Where, where are my gothic <laughs> romance, science fiction, agency romance? I want all of it. <laughs> and I can never find them anymore. Probably because I haven't read one in a while. So no, I have one to read. Hooray. That's awesome. That's exciting. Soon to come. Thank you, Lauren, so much for being yes, a guest so on the much. podcast. <laughs> thank you. Why don't you, do you have any, I mean, obviously go listen to her podcast, Reclaiming Jane, but did you have any other things you wanted to plug? Um, I think the only thing I would want to say is, like you said, please subscribe to Reclaiming Jane wherever you get your podcast. We're brand new. We just started in December, so we're still starting out. We're covering Sense and Sensibility right now, and then we'll probably also be doing some adaptation reviews coming up after we finish the book, so keep your eye out for that because we're also very excited to be able to talk about other things. Um, And I would also plug that we have a website as well. It's reclaimingjanepod.com, so you can go there to find links to all of our social media. And we also have full transcripts of every episode. So if reading is more your thing and you really don't want to listen to voices for a while and you've just, you've hit your audio limit for the day, that's totally fine. We have transcripts that are available too, and they're hyperlinked with extra resources or just things that we find funny. So there's nice little Easter eggs in those transcripts as well. That's awesome. We should probably try to do transcripts at some time, but I'm pretty sure that no automatic transcriber is going to be able to hear my voice. <laughs> the words. I, I have realized I've been told many a time that I speak far too quickly. <laughs> and it's, it's just, it's just how I have to consciously slow my speech down because otherwise I speak at a thousand words a minute, apparently. And when I have to sit down to transcribe the episodes that 
is very apparent because Emily is super clear and I hardly have to do any editing when I go back and I correct the transcript. And then when it gets to me, it's, <laughs> they have no idea what I'm saying. I feel your pain. <laughs> That's how I feel when I'm editing the podcast. I'm like, how many times can you say the word on Maya? <laughs> <laughs> it's a struggle. <laughs> well, um, if you would like to contact us, Yes. You could email us at mannersofmadness at gmail.com. You could DM us on Twitter at mannersmadness or on Instagram at mannersmadnesspod. Or you can leave a one minute long voicemail on mannersmadness.com. And we would like to hear what your experience with this arc that Sydney had, because I still am very, (laughs) have many reservations against him, but I know everyone likes him. So I honestly thought we would have at least like, 20 people writing in and saying, why can't you be nicer to Sydney? Sydney is not that bad. Just wait. Sydney's going to get better. <laughs> so far, <laughs> I, nobody's trying to defend him whatsoever. So <laughs> yeah. I have a theory that everyone actually dislikes him and that some sort of thinking, Andrew oh, Davies. Hot. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's probably maybe the reason he's just very attractive, especially when you see his butt. Everybody can forgive Theo James all sins. I didn't get to see the butt. <laughs> yes, this is what is so annoying. I don't know if you guys realize this, but the American versions of these, the PBS, I guess you could say, versions of this series, they cut out all the butts. What? I didn't realize that there was a difference. Apparently there's a lot of butts that I never got to see. <laughs> yeah, because I had bought the first episode from iTunes and just watched it and we got plenty of butt. We got like a million butts. And then I watched, I borrowed Maya's DVD for the rest of it and we get no butts nothing i yeah i've been watching through pbs like the masterpiece on prime on amazon and i did not know mm-hmm. there was a difference i feel cheated america what the heck give us the butts give yes. us the butts seriously <laughs> i might like sydney more if i could see his beautiful butt <laughs> can we not can we not leave puritans behind it's been a couple centuries exactly like, that's the only one i, I haven't seen i've seen everyone else's apparently except for him so <laughs> maybe that's my reservation uh, i'm gonna have to buy it on itunes someday just so i can get the full experience yeah <laughs> the full sandwich <laughs> experience oh but this was so great i'm sorry that emily had to leave early but we would love to have you guys come back at a later date. If you ever want to do a Lucy Steele roundtable, I am down to talk about her. <laughs> we would be, Emily is not here, but I know both of us would be 100% down. If we ever want to do Lucy Steele roundtable, or also if we want to have like an unofficial meeting of the Fanny Dashwood Hate Club, like please count us in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sense of Sensibility of all her books are filled with just hateful people <laughs> like there's just so many horrible people in that book <laughs> I feel like from what I remember of my experience with Lucy Steele which was a while ago I feel like I liked her a little bit more than you did Maya so it'd be an interesting discussion yeah because the actress playing her was so good, was so good. <laughs> she was great <laughs> justice for Lucy that's, like, we, that's good because we needed it we needed dissenting yeah. opinions so that somebody who really likes Lucy can also yeah. be a yes. voice <laughs> We need both sides. Oh, but that's it for today. We would love if you guys would give us a rating or review on iTunes. And we will be back next week with episode seven. And that's just going to be me and Christian. And then the next week, we're going to have another guest because we're trying to get all the Jane Austen podcast on (laughs) Santa and 
Yeah. So we're very excited for them and we mm-hmm. loved having Reclaiming Jane and we can't wait to see you guys next week or talk yes. to you. I always say see and it's not really a see kind of a platform. but <laughs> <laughs> It's like the gag on Lost Culturistas says they call their listeners readers. it's just you know it's gonna be our thing we'll see you next week (laughs) (laughs) we'll see ya even though you'll never see us okay (laughs) (laughs) well thank you for listening and thank you for being with us lauren and yes thank you so much for having us it's great good night everyone bye